0: Today we celebrate Epiphany, the revelation of God incarnate as Jesus Christ. And I have to say, I think we need an Epiphany miracle for Linda's microphone. We'll get that figured out. But you may not know that Epiphany has been celebrated since early in the third century, making it one of the earliest holy days, predating even Christmas by a couple of hundred years. So in the East, it commemorates Jesus' baptism and the start of his adult ministry. We'll celebrate that next week. For us, Epiphany is the arrival of the magi to the house where the newborn Jesus, Mary and Joseph are gathered. Now, over the centuries, there's been a lot of adornment placed on these journeying magi. They've been repositioned as kings when in fact they are more like astrologers. We just sang about the three wise uh, the three kings. Their origin in the Orient is likely overstated as well, is that they probably came from Babylon, the first century center of all things astrological. And they likely came in a caravan, not just three wise men on camels. We don't know the exact gifts they offered, but gold, frankincense, and myrrh each have some Old Testament warrant. So they fit with Mas- the writer of Matthew's mission of making Jesus the Messiah called for in Israel's history. So keep this in mind as you put together next year's nativity in your home. <laughs> now these additions to the Magi story aren't, by and large, too problematic for me. They aren't problematic unless they obscure the essential meaning of Epiphany. The essential meaning that we mean when we say we're celebrating God incarnate as Jesus Christ. Now these Magi aren't Jews. They're Gentiles. And their recognition of Jesus Christ's incarnation is the first sign of the true scope of Jesus' salvific mission. Jesus comes not just to save the people of Israel, as the label Messiah would suggest, but to save the world. God's covenant with Israel has always been to save the world through Israel. And here in front of the Magi, we see that first step being taken. God has appeared on earth, becoming incarnate in Judea, among the people of Israel, as a part of redeeming the entire world. In Jesus Christ, the world's saving has begin, begun. That's the message of Epiphany. And that's why we celebrate Epiphany and have for centuries. God's redemption of the world, of all creation, has begun, and we come together to recognize and remember this momentous occasion. Now, in many parts of the world, Epiphany eclipses Christmas in importance, And now, seeing its creation-saving scale, it's easy to understand why. Jesus' actual birth is estimated to have happened around the year 4 BCE, or before the Common Era. And even a casual astrologer would have been struck by the heavenly activity going on around or before his birth. Halley's comet would have passed by some seven years earlier. Jupiter and Saturn would have been aligned at least three times in the previous few years. Now, Jupiter, to the astrologists, would have suggested a kingship, and Saturn was connected with Israel. So this alignment would have pointed squarely to something big about to happen in Israel. The astrologists would have rightly thought that something big was, in fact, about to happen, that all creation was pregnant, if you will, with anticipation. So these astrologers, these magi, journey across borders, across countries, Full of anticipation and certainty that they were searching for a king, a king of the Jews, as it says in Matthew. They set on their caravans into the unknown, but with confidence in their mission. This confidence, this certainty, surprises King Herod and all of Jerusalem, we're told. Now, apparently, Herod's astrologers had been shirking their responsibilities and hadn't noticed all the heavenly activity, all the signs pointing to Israel and the star rising. Sometimes we're least aware of the epiphany of the revelation happening right around us. The Magi are overjoyed when the star stopped over Bethlehem, over where the infant Jesus was. And they made their way to the house where Jesus, Mary, and Joseph are gathered, and they offer gifts and pay homage. It's a wonderful story. It's a reminder that God's intervention into creation, God's epiphany, can come from the most unlikely of places. Here we have a group of Gentile astrologers, men demonized in other parts of the scriptures, who show for the first time Jesus' creation-saving mission to the whole world, to all of creation. Now in English, we have another kind of epiphany, let's call it a small e epiphany, that is defined as the experience of, of a sudden and striking realization. An epiphany is an aha moment when things just seem to fall into place, to make sense. It's often associated with science and technology or for those who work in creative endeavors. But we all have experiences with epiphanies, with sudden realizations in our lives, times when things suddenly make sense. And what if we think about those moments as time when God intervenes into our lives, into creation around us? Those small e epiphanies are little moments of revelation when God speaks directly to us. What are some of the ways that God's revelation, God's epiphanies, can come to us? Through dreams, for example, or quiet moments of reflection and insight. Revelation comes to us through scripture, too. Every time we read or hear a scripture, we're interacting in a new way with God's revelation to us. And it's why a regular Bible reading practice is such an integral part of deepening our connection to God. In Ephesians, we hear Paul's assertion that the mystery was made known to me by revelation, a reading, a reading, of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. By reading scriptures, we understand the mysteries of creation, the mystery of Christ. I may have told this story before, but... I was baptized when I was around 10 years old. I was at a summer church camp, and my preacher waded out with me into the deep end of the swimming pool. My fellow campers gathered around the sides of the pool and sang a hymn, probably something like "Jesus Loves Me" or something like that. Pastor Timbrook pinched my nose and pulled me backward into the water, and, and just as quickly pulled me back up. And for that split second, underwater. I opened my eyes and saw the sunlight dancing through the water and heard, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I knew God was with me. I knew God was there. It's to this day the most tangible moment in my life when I felt God's presence. And it's been a touch point that I've gone back to time and time again over nearly 50 years since. Even talking about it now, I can feel its presence, its reassurance, God's epiphany, God's revelation to me. God reveals God's self unto us in many, many ways, in moments of great joy and in moments of great sadness, in forest trails and in church walls, in loving relationships and in painful breakups. God is there. God's waiting for us to see. God's waiting for us to know. On this big E epiphany, when we celebrate the revelation of God incarnate as Jesus Christ, let us also look for God's specific revelation in our lives. God's always breaking into our own history, our own story. And as we, like the Magi, cross new borders, new boundaries into 2019 and beyond, I encourage us to look and listen and wait and wonder, where is God breaking in? To remember where God broke into our lives in the past. To pay attention to God's presence in every part, in the totality of our lives. I'm asking us to constantly ask ourselves, how is God showing up in my life, right now, today? Amen.